going on, guys? Welcome into another edition of the How to Be a Realtor podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me. My name is Tony, your host, as always. Excited to be here today to talk about something that in my own team meetings we have been talking about quite a bit. Something that I think, unfortunately, we don't give or show as much love to in the real estate community as I think we should, and that is showing properties, how to effectively show properties for the best results. So I wanna break that down. I started in the industry as a showing agent. I did that for years and years and years. And so I think I know what I'm talking about. I've shown thousands of properties over the last 12 years. And I think that there is uh, the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it to create a positive experience for your clients, which at the end of the day is what we're trying to do. But before we jump into that, I want to show some love to our show sponsor, Stomp, Standout Media Pros. Standout Media Pros is a online realtor training platform that teaches you everything they didn't show you in real estate school. Everything they didn't teach you in real estate school, which basically is everything you need to actually transact. And so Stomp brings a unique combination of online courses, weekly calls, resources, challenges, everything you need to transact more homes in 2024. So check out standoutmediapros.com. You can sign up for a free account and start building a better career for yourself today. Again, www.standoutmediapros.com. They teach you everything they did not teach you in real estate school. So with that being said, let's jump into this world of showings, okay? And here's what I mean when I said that I don't believe that we show it enough love. Most of the work, most of the training that exists in the real estate industry, a lot of it is geared towards lead generation, how to generate leads, how to market yourself. And on this podcast, we've spent a lot of time talking about different ways that agents can market themselves from social media to mailers to cold calling to whatever the case may be, a lot of the literature and a lot of the time spent training is spent on acquiring leads. But once you have the lead, I think that brings up a more important point, which is what happens next? Once you have the client, once they've trusted you, once you start this journey of actually helping them purchase a property, what comes next? And so remember, we as agents, we have what's called fiduciary duty. Now, what is fiduciary duty? Basically, it's a fancy way of saying we, by law, have to put our client's interests before our own. We are the only ones in the real estate transaction that have this. Title people don't have it. Inspectors don't have it. Lenders don't have it. But we do. We as real estate agents, we have fiduciary duty. And so it's super important that we, number one, take that very, very seriously, because if you don't, you can get yourself in trouble, but also that we use that once you realize the seriousness of that, um, what's the correct word, of that responsibility, that we work to build a positive experience for our clients. And that starts with showings, with actually going out and showing them property. So again, as I mentioned before, I did this for years. This is what got me into the real estate industry was doing showings. When I first started back in 2012, my broker at the time was already a top producer and he was at a point in his career where he had more buyers than he could service himself. So he brought me on board, 
He trained me to be a showing agent. And then I later became a, a broker myself. And I trained showing agents for years and years and years. And the art of being a showing agent is, I think, one of the underrated skill sets in our industry. So let's break this down because there are a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention as we navigate and talk about what we do and how we approach showing properties. And I want to start here. I want to start before the showing even takes place. I remember on one occasion, I was having a conversation with my then broker with Daniel, and he was talking to me about my car. And back then, my family had this huge van. It was one of those massive vans. It was like an eight-seater van. And it was not in good shape, and it was really loud, and it was ugly. And I remember when I first started doing showings, I would go in this van. And it wasn't a good look. You, can, you could tell that it had massive problems. And I remember having a conversation with Daniel at the time, and he kind of made me realize that although... It's not bad to have an old car or whatever the case may be, but when you're working in real estate, we often talk about this idea of curb appeal. When you go with a seller, when you go to list a property, that buzzword, that buzz term, curb appeal often comes to the forefront. And what do we mean by curb appeal? What we mean is, what is the first thing that people see when they drive by that seller's house? And we want to improve that so that they don't get scared away or so, or so that they don't start making negative judgments about the property before they've actually walked in. So if you improve your curb appeal, you might improve the yard or the decoration on the outside, make sure that it's clean. All of those kinds of things fall into the curb appeal category. Now, what I learned very early on is that your car is your curb appeal as an agent. It's usually one of the first things that people see because in most cases you will meet your buyer at a property. There still are agents out there that actually drive their clients to properties. Like they will get into their car. I don't do that. I never did that mainly for liability purposes. And I think that there are few agents today that actually do that. But if you do, this applies to you even more. But if you don't, then imagine you show up to the showing show up to the showing and your client is there and they see you turn the corner and the first thing they're going to look at is your car, bro. So it doesn't mean that you have to drive a BMW or you have to drive a Mercedes. That's not what I'm talking about. This is not about a luxury vehicle or how expensive your car is. But what I do want to highlight is what does your car look like? Is it in disrepair? Is it dirty? Because that's ultimately one of the first things that your clients are going to see. And so as we talk about showings, it's all about the customer experience. And so one of the things that I started to do was that every Monday is my car wash day. Go sign up for a car wash membership. It's 20 bucks. And make a habit to regularly clean your car. Just have it look presentable. If, if it's missing something, fix it. Do your best to have your car in good repair. Again, it doesn't mean fancy. It doesn't mean expensive. But your car is your curb appeal as a real estate agent. People are making judgments about you based on what they see you drive, whether we like it or not. So I just wanted to start there. 
because I think that we need to think about those things on a personal branding level. That's number one, your car. Number two, your own personal apparel, how you dress. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to dress. I'm not going to tell you to wear a skirt or to wear a suit or to wear anything. That's not what this is about. When I teach this concept to agents, and I've taught this to thousands of agents over the years, I think the best way to look at this is you don't want to do anything that will take points off the board. So different people react in different ways. Even if you wore a three-piece suit, there are going to be people that are going to be turned off by that. But I think the, the lens through which you view this is just take care of your appearance. Whatever it is that you're wearing, do it intentionally. Do it intentionally. Don't show up in sweats. Don't show up all wrinkled. Don't show up dirty. Don't show up to where somebody could assume that you didn't get ready for this. This is a job interview. Take it as a job interview, especially early on in the process. Don't get comfortable. Don't think just because they signed a buyer broker agreement with you that now you're, they're stuck with you for life. People can still fire you and people can still look at other options or get feedback and make judgments. And so be careful about how you present yourself. Do it intentionally. Do it as if you were going to a work meeting or a job interview. That's usually the way I try to think about it, whatever that may mean for you. All right. And again, because those are the things that people are going to start judging you on before you even open your mouth. You drive in, you walk out of the car, they see you, they see your car, they're making judgments. And you want those judgments to be positive ones all the time. So that's when it comes to your personal appearance, if you will. Another thing that I would really encourage you to do is to prepare. And here's what I mean by prepare. Whether you're showing one home or you're showing 10 homes, do a little bit of homework. Do some homework. Don't just assume that you have all of the property details on the MLS and that you can pull them up, which we'll talk about later. But do some homework. Try to you know, look through the photos, look at the neighborhood, try to think, you know, why would your client be interested in this property? What are some of the pros? What are some of the cons? Remember, you are supposed to be the expert. You're supposed to be the expert. And what would happen early on in my career before I started doing this was the buyer actually knew more about the property than I did. And that was unacceptable. Now, in their case, they're excited. They looked it up on the internet. They know a lot of the details. But I needed to know them too. I needed to know what the schools were. I needed to know what was close. Was there shopping close? Was there, I just try to prepare as much as I could to be able to present the property to my buyers. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You want to help them make a decision. And if there's a property that you legitimately feel could be a good option for them, your job, it is in their best interest for you to help them see that. Now, if it's a crappy property, then be honest in that regard. You want to go both ways. Don't just go straight salesy trying to get them to buy anything. If there's a property that is honestly not in their best interest, do your homework so that you can explain why. Give an educated opinion, if you will. And that takes a little bit 
of preparation on your part. Now, when it comes to these property details, early on in my career, I did what most agents do, which is I had the property details on my phone. And as they walk through the home, if they ask me a question, I could pull up my phone and look at the property details to answer that question. If they ask me, what year was this home built? What's the square footage? How much is the HOA? All of these questions were on the MLS. And so I would have the property details pulled up on my phone. And I thought I was doing the right thing. But here's what I found. On one occasion, I had my phone and I was looking at my phone while the family was touring the property. I wasn't on social media. I wasn't texting anybody. I was legitimately looking at the property details. But the lady, the buyer, the wife, she wasn't feeling me being on my phone. And so she turned to me and she said, hey, could you get off your phone, please? And she said it in a way that at first it kind of caught me off guard. But I later, uh, I later realized that she didn't feel like I was paying attention to her. She didn't feel like she was the most important person to me in that moment. Even though I wasn't on Twitter, I was looking at property details, she didn't feel that way. So what I started doing from that moment on was I started printing the MLS handouts. I started printing them beforehand, again, preparing beforehand, and I had a copy and I gave them a copy. And that worked much better. I didn't pull out my phone. I was completely focused and I had an actual printout. So I would recommend doing that instead of using your phone. Because for many people, especially my, my old school peeps, you looking down at your phone is synonymous with being distracted. And you never want to give that impression. You never want to give that impression that you're distracted, that you're on social media, that you're doing something else. You want to be completely present with that buyer in that moment. Give them your undivided attention and a phone even if used air quotes appropriately, I think takes away from that. And some people might feel some type of way about you being on your phone. Later, what I started doing was I transitioned from the printouts to an iPad. And an iPad feels different than a cell phone because a cell phone, again, is usually linked to social media, texting, YouTube, being on the internet, whatever it is. And even though you can have those apps on an iPad as well, it's a different feeling. iPads are different. There are so many companies that work off of the iPad. My car wash, we just talked about car washes. My car wash, those dudes run completely on iPads. Every single person has an iPad. When I take my car to get serviced, iPads all over the place. They check you in with an iPad. They charge you with an iPad. They have you do the intake form with an iPad. And so the iPad feels different. A tablet feels different than a cell phone. So if you can afford an iPad, you can use that. If you, if you have to use technology, use an iPad instead of your cell phone. That has been huge for me, and it really helps people to be able to feel heard and feel connected. I love the iPad because I can show them photos. I, I can sit down with them, and they can see what I'm seeing versus the phone that that's kind of a little bit awkward to show people your phone. So that's all I wanted to say with that when it comes to how you view the information and how you present the information when you're actually inside the home. 
Now let's move on to the actual showing itself. Always, always, always confirm and double confirm the appointment. Here's why. I've had so many cases early in my career where I would show a property that I thought was vacant. For some reason, I thought it was vacant, either because of the photos or it said something on the listing, and I thought it was vacant. So it's vacant. I don't have to make an appointment. I can just go whenever I want, and I would show up, and it wasn't vacant. And all of a sudden, there was someone in the house or the owner was there, and they had no idea that there was going to be an appointment. And that was incredibly awkward incredibly awkward. So always make sure to reach out to the listing agent. Try to get them on the phone if you can. And what are some of the things that you want to ask? Number one, you want to confirm the appointment. Even if it's been confirmed on a showing time or on some platform, you want to double confirm. Second, you want to ask if the property is being rented. Here's the reason for that. It's usually more difficult to get tenants out than owners because owners want to sell their property. They want to get this done. Tenants are often the complete opposite. Often tenants feel threatened. Tenants feel like if they sell this home, I'm going to have to move out. And they're often not very cooperative. So I always ask the listing agent, hey, does the owner live in this home or do they have it rented? They say, oh, they have it rented. I always double check, double confirmed. Are we sure that the tenant is okay with us going tomorrow at six o'clock? And you try to get that yes, okay? Now that you have the agent on the phone, ask them a little bit about the seller. Say, hey, do you know any information you can give me? Do you know what's the seller thinking? Why are they selling? How quickly are they looking to move forward on this? Do they have other offers? Is there anything about the property that I should make the buyers aware of, positive or negative? That is part of your preparation, having that conversation and making sure that the property is ready to show. Because nobody wants to waste time. You don't want to waste time going to a property that's not ready. And the buyer doesn't want to waste time going to a property that's not ready. And so the more you can do to ensure that everybody that has to be made aware of that showing is made aware of it and that it's gonna be a, an available property will go a long way into avoiding these awkward scenarios. Okay, avoiding these awkward scenarios. Now, what happens if you do encounter an awkward scenario? This has happened to me. Walk in on people, people are in the house, or sometimes people don't leave during the showing even though they're supposed to. That's a more common one. They say that you can come and look at the house, but the house is full of people. So that's always awkward. It's always awkward. So when I detect that there are people in the home, you always want to prepare your buyer. And you're going to hear me say that word time and time again, prepare, preparation. Prepare your buyer. And say, hey, it seems like there are some people here in the home. Do you feel comfortable viewing the home with people in it? Ask the question. Don't just assume that they're okay with it. Don't just assume. Ask the question. Hey, it looks like they didn't leave. It looks like the tenant is still here. Do you mind? Are you comfortable viewing the home like this? Or would you like me to reschedule? 
And surprisingly, I've had buyers say, you know what, let's just, let's just reschedule. It's fine. They don't, they don't want the awkwardness and that's fine. And others will say, yeah, it's all good. No worries. So you'll go in, you'll show it. Uh, typically when you're in the home, if there are people around, don't make too many comments, keep it kind of quick, kind of quiet, and then talk once you're out of the property. Uh, and so these are some of the things that we need to think about as we show these homes. Okay. Now, when it comes to the property itself, what I used to do was I tried too hard. I tried too hard to sell the home. I didn't give my clients time and space to actually view the home. And here some agents disagree with me. This, this is one of the things where there are going to be people out there that say, I would never do that. Don't do that. But what I try to do is I try to give the buyer space. I give them space. I let them wander the home. If they have kids, I simply ask them, hey, let's just keep our kids close. But I give them space. I don't crowd them. I don't give them the tour of, all right, here is the kitchen. And then let's go to the upstairs. And then here's, but I don't do that. I don't do that. Simply because I have seen better results when the buyer feels free when they feel like they can walk the home and they're talking amongst each other and they're planning stuff. So sometimes I hang back just a little bit. I really do. I hang back a little bit in the living room, hang back a little bit in the kitchen and I give them freedom and I give them space. And often I can hear them having conversations in one of the bedrooms or down in the basement. And so I think it's important to not crowd your client especially when you're meeting them in the first couple of showings. Give them some space. Let them talk about it. Let them take their time. Often you'll see husband go in one direction, wife goes in another direction. And again, the agents that disagree with this say, well, it's because what happens if they break something? Or what happens if uh, something turns up missing? I've never in 12 years had a situation where a listing agent says, hey, somebody stole an iPad or hey, did your client take some money? Like that has never happened. It's not to say that it couldn't happen, but I try to just give them some space. Okay. And again, some agents are going to disagree with that, but that has worked with me. I have found, and I have tested this. I've consciously tested this, crowding the, the, the client, me giving them the tour, having them follow me around as if they were little kids versus hanging back. And I've seen much better results in hanging back. Okay. Now, when it comes to addressing questions here, you want to draw a line between what is your scope of work and what is not. Very often people will start asking questions that you're not supposed to answer specifically about the condition of the property. They start asking questions about furnaces and water heaters and HVAC systems and roofs. So here you want to be careful, right? Because as you get more experience, you should be able to at least give basic answers to some of these things. But you are not an HVAC technician. You are not a roof expert. So always point in the direction of the professionals. Always point in the direction of the professionals. If somebody says, hey, what are your thoughts on this roof? Instead of me saying, oh, it looks fantastic. It looks great. You're not going to have any problems. You can look at it, make 
a basic interpretation of kind of what you think, but always follow it up with part of the inspection is a roof inspection if we want one. If there are questions, I recommend getting a professional up there just to make sure, just to make sure that it doesn't have any leaks, that it's not damaged. That is part of the process of buying a property. But far too often agents, they want to be everything to everybody. And, and it doesn't work that way. It ends up being counterproductive and you can get yourself in trouble. So whenever you're dealing with questions about the condition of the home, point to the professionals. Point to the professionals. All right, next point. Once we get to the point of wanting to submit an offer, okay, when, once you get to the point of wanting to submit an offer, you want to, number one, contact the, the listing agent, not by text, not by text, okay? Try to get them on the phone whenever you can. Sometimes this will be possible. Sometimes it won't be possible. There will be agents that won't answer the phone and will say, hey, shoot me an email, but at least try, try, try to get them on the phone and have a conversation with them about what the seller is looking for, if they have any other offers, what are good timelines, there's so much information that you can pull from a good listing agent that actually wants to sell the home so that you can present the best offer possible. Once you have that info, the next portion is to present it. Now, when we talk about presenting the info, here's something that I do that's different from most. I actually take a lot of time. I dedicate a lot of time to going over offers with clients. What I do, the hack that has worked for me over the last, I probably started doing this five years ago, is I actually do a screen share video of the offer. I used to use Vimeo, now I use Loom. There's a bunch of screen share softwares out there that you can use. But I break down the offer and I explain, this is where the earnest money is. This is how much I recommend. Here are our contingencies. Here are our conditions. Here's what is included in the contract. Here's what is excluded. Here are the deadlines. All of those things. You want to make sure that your client understands to the best of their abilities what they are signing. I believe it is a massive mistake to just send documents to your clients and have them sign them without reviewing them in any way, shape, or form. Because the repsy for us is routine, but it's not routine for them, especially if they're first-time buyers. They've never seen this document before. And so if all of a sudden there's this 16-page document and you're having them initial every page, they don't know what's in it. They don't know what's in it. So take some time to explain what is in it, explain the pros and cons. Really take that time to explain it. And so this process of showing a property from the preparation before you show up to the etiquette inside the home, the conversations that you have, the questions that you do or do not answer, and then the follow-up and the explanation when an offer gets sent, if you get that right, You'll be able to build so much trust and rapport with your clients that as the transaction moves forward, each time they'll trust you more and more and more, and they'll see you more as a professional. They'll see you more as a professional. Now, often there are going to be questions that 
you may not have the answers to. You just may not have the answers to. And so here, don't be afraid of saying, I don't know. Don't be afraid of the I don't know. It's better to say, I don't know, than find the answer and deliver it, than just make something up on the spot. And agents often make stuff up on the spot. We just do. I did it. Why? Because we want to sound smart. We want to sound like the end-all be-all. We want to sound like the expert. We want to provide value. But if you don't have the answer, you don't have the answer. And that is okay. People respect honesty. They respect honesty. So if they ask something weird, like, hey, do you know who is the president of the HOA? I've had that question before. Do you know who runs the HOA? Is it like one person or is it like a committee? That information is not on the MLS. It doesn't tell you who the HOA president or board members are. So don't make anything up. Just say, hey, you know what? I actually have no idea, but I can find out and I'll get that information to you shortly. And then if you say that, get the information shortly and send it back. It's vitally important that you keep your commitments when it comes to information. If you tell somebody you're going to send them an answer, send them the answer. You don't want your client to have to remind you, hey, remember that thing about the HOA? Were you able to, to ask? And then they realize that you did it. That's one of the worst things that you can do. This used to happen to me all the time because I had a day full of showings. So I would go client back to back to back to back. I remember showing 20 properties in a single day on a Saturday out from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., like just all day. I lived in my car. It was wild. So when you're showing that many properties to that many people, we often fall into that routine of onto the next one, onto the next one, onto the next one. But take time to isolate each property. Take notes. Make sure that you understand, okay, there was this question. I need to get this info. Get it back to them. They like this one. They didn't like the other one. That's for that. The printouts helped me a ton. The printouts helped me because I could write notes on there and then I could later review them afterwards because it's very difficult to remember the details of every property when you're showing 20 of them or 10 of them or even five of them. So find a way to organize your thoughts, organize the information so that then you can get back to people. People need to feel that you're responsible and responsive, responsive and responsible. If you can do those two things, then people will take your advice. They will listen to you more. They will ask better questions. Instead of trying to figure stuff out themselves, they will ask you. Because there's so many questions that buyers can have. And if they don't trust you, then they're just going to try to Google it or they, they're going to ask their brother or their sister-in-law. And often they're going to get answers that are just not correct. And so you want to build up that trust and rapport so that they ask you instead of somebody else. That's the ideal. But that, that's not granted. That's not free. You have to earn that. And these are some of the ways that you can earn them because you're the one that's going to be face-to-face. -face. You're face-to-face -face with these buyers, independent of who generated the lead. And I'll close with that. Independent of who generated the lead. If the broker generated the lead, 
If it's a referral, it doesn't matter. You are in front of them every single day. And so it's on you to build the experience. You are the one that they're going to reference. You are the one that they're going to identify as a good agent, as a professional, even if it's a team-generated lead. Even if it's a team-generated lead, because they don't know your team leader. They don't know your broker in most cases. So the broker might buy leads and then hand them over to you. But who are they dealing with? With you. They're absolutely dealing with you. So if you want to get referrals, it's on you. And in my opinion, the best way to do that is to build a solid professional showing protocol where you do it the same way each and every time. And if you can incorporate some of these things that we've talked about today, you'll have more successful showings. You will have offers quicker, which at the end of the day, that's what you want, right? If I told you, okay, you can work with buyer A, you're going to show them properties for a week. And then you have buyer B and you're going to show them properties for four months. Which one do you rather work with? It's pretty obvious. We all want to put people under contract and get the deal going. But we got to build that experience. Thank you so much for tuning into the How to Be a Realtor podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it, pass it on, subscribe to the show. And don't forget to check out our show sponsor, StandoutMediaPros.com. Check out the links in the show notes, and we'll see you guys next time.